Yeah, I first saw a pastor this morning. He uh, looked like he was barely awake. <laughs> he said he had fallen asleep in his office and he was leaning on his hand. <laughs> and I, please pray for pastor as well as Joyce. They've, uh, they've been through a lot and uh, they need our prayers. And uh, listen, like pastor said, God always has a plan. Everything that we're going through, it never, it never took him by surprise. He always knows, and, and we talked about this in Sunday school, that we often feel like things are out of control or that nobody cares and that is nothing could be further from the truth. God's plan, God's will for our life, it's, uh, we all just need to be in touch with him, getting his uh, peace and guidance and strength for each day. And uh, Cody, thank you for the song. I don't know where he went, but <laughs> that song was a blessing to me as well. So uh, this morning I'd like to look at 2 Kings chapter 5 and uh, this, is, this is just a, such a wonderful story in the Bible and I'm very, very thankful for it. Um, but we're looking at the subject of inconceivable grace. And of course, the grace of God is something that I think even if you've grown in the Lord any, we still feel like it's, it's, it's mysterious, it's, uh, it's overwhelming uh, in uh, its scope, and yet uh, it's, uh, it's often just uh, so simple also. But it's uh, the subject of inconceivable grace, and here is a great example of that in 2 Kings chapter 5. Starting in verse 1, Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Assyria, was a great man with his master, and honorable, because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He also was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. And the, and the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid, and she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, Would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. And one went in and told his lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid that is of the, of, the, of the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go to, go, I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver and six thousand pieces of gold and ten changes of raiment. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, Now when this letter come, is come unto thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman my servant to thee, that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. And it came to pass, when the king of Israel had read the letter, that he rent his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive, that this man does send, me, send unto me to recover a man of his leprosy? Wherefore, consider, I pray you, and see how he seeketh a quarrel against me. And I think it's pretty neat that in this story, there's a bunch of people here that do not understand God's power or his grace. And there's another passage, I didn't have it written down for me, but there's a passage where God says that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. And it's just a, a, a clear statement that God is looking for opportunities to be strong in our lives. And often we run here and we run there and we're looking everywhere, but, but to the one who can actually solve the problems. <laughs> And that's true for individuals, it's certainly true for our country today. And, uh, and so anyway, I think it's pretty interesting that even the king of Israel, when he gets this letter about someone who has leprosy, and instead of saying, well, there's, a, there, there's God, we can, we can get the prophet, we can get in touch with God, and we can get his help, instead he rends his clothes and said, there's, uh, there's no way that this man can be healed. In verse 8, And it was so, when Elisha the man of God had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, and that he, uh, that he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him now come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot, and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth, 
and went away and said, Behold, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Are not Abana and Farpar, Farpar rivers in Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. And his servants came near and spake unto him say, and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather than when he saith to thee, Wash and be clean? Then went he down and dipped seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Thing is, is God's grace is always inconceivable to man. God's path of bringing us from where we are to where we need to be is always practically impossible for us to understand. Yet God has a way. He has a plan. And of course, this applies from the biggest, most important subject of salvation to every need that you and I have right now. Every single burden, every single care, every single fear, every single concern is all well within God's power to take care of. But in our minds, we need a way in which we can understand how God could do it. And folks, that's putting God in a box. God doesn't need to be in a box. God needs to be God and Him able to do everything that He says He can do. Our place is to have faith. Say, Lord, I don't know how You could do it, but I know You can do it. Our place is to go to Him and not give Him, give him orders or, or like a physician who's going to write down the prescription. Our place is to take our needs and our cares to Him and trust Him about it. Both the time as well as the manner of the, of the answer. And of course, we often pray, hey, the bills come in. Lord, I need the bill paid. That's simple enough. <laughs> but you know, God often answers in ways that we can't even imagine. And I think of Naaman here and the prophet. The prophet doesn't even meet him in person. He sends someone else and says, hey, go wash in Jordan seven times. You'll be clean. <laughs> And this was difficult for this Syrian general. And again, he was a mighty man of valor. He might have been a leper, but he was an accomplished leper. <laughs> and when he didn't even go himself to meet Naaman, he sends a servant and says, go wash in Jordan seven times. And of course, the Jordan River, uh, probably not as magnificent as rivers in Damascus or whatever, but he, again, the, the matter was inconceivable. Can't I wash in the rivers of Farpar or, or, or wherever and won't those waters make me clean? And he went away in a rage. And you notice that his servants, and this is pretty wonderful that his servants came to him and said, my father. He clearly had a relationship with them beyond master and servant. But they said if, if he'd asked to do some great thing, if you were to climb the highest mountain or to cross the deepest sea or whatever, wouldn't you have done it? And he would have. He's a mighty man of valor. Instead, he just said, wash and be clean. And that, that word of encouragement, that simple exhortation was enough. And he went and he washed in Jordan seven times and he came out clean. And it's such an amazing passage. Verse 15, And he returned to the man of God, he and all his company, and came and stood before him. And he said, Behold, now I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. Now therefore I pray thee, take a blessing of thy servant, and, uh, but he said, As the Lord liveth before whom I stand, I shall receive none. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. Verse 17, And Naaman said, Shall there not then 
I pray thee, be given to thy servant two mules burden of earth, for thy servant will henceforth offer neither burnt offering nor sacrifice unto other gods but unto the Lord. And so this was an incurable disease, but it brought unexpected grace from an unlikely source. And, uh, and there's so many important parallels here, but I think there's one in particular that, I, that we'd like to look at. So my first point is that uh, Naaman the Syrian, a mighty man, prosperous in warfare, was a leper. When he pre- was presented with a solution to his predicament, he was willing, but when it had come from a place he didn't understand how it could be effective, he balked. And again, it's our place to learn to trust in the Lord and to understand that He brings in he brings in answers and solutions by ways we, can't, we often can't even imagine. And there was a Jewish slave, and there was a, a loving servant who provided a witness that led the leper to a cure. And he left convinced that there was a God in Israel that could cure incurable diseases, and Naaman believed. And Naaman the, Naaman the Syrian is mentioned in the New Testament as one of the Old Testament saints. And so he became a, a, a believer in God and the God of Israel. And so number two, man's incurable sins are impossible for, for man to overcome and be clean. See, the leper in the Bible is a very clear picture of something that every human being needs to understand. That we are not clean before God. Mankind born in John chapter 3, uh, it's mentioned there that every man comes into the world and he is already in a state where he needs God to save him. It's not that you have to do something special to get lost. <laughs> it's that man was born broken ever since the Garden of Eden. Ever since Adam and, she, Adam and Eve sinned against God, they were in a lost state and all of their children, all of their descendants, all the way down to us, every man, every woman, every child born into humankind with the exception of the Lord Jesus Christ, who God was His Father, every other human being has been born lost and needs a Savior. The thing is, is man's incurable sins are not possible for him to fix on his own. Not by means of religion, not by means of doing good works, not by any means that any man has. It doesn't matter that you could spend your entire lifetime walking over hot coals or some other ridiculous thing, and it would not get you to heaven. It wouldn't get you an inch higher. If someone could say to you, yeah, you can, you can get to the moon, but you'll have to go there under your own power. Well, we wouldn't even try. <laughs> you'll have to jump and get to the moon. And if you can do that, then hey, everything will be fine. We wouldn't even try. Let me tell you, the gulf between us and heaven is farther. Much farther than that. And we cannot get there. And that's why we talked about this in Sunday school as well. That's why the Lord Jesus came to us. He came to where we are. Job, uh, in the book of Job, he asked for a day's man who could stand betwixt God and man and bridge us together. Jesus is the only one that can do that. The Bible says that the Father sent the Son to do this great work. So what God did is He bridged the gulf between man and God. He made it so that man can approach unto God through the blood of Jesus Christ. This is something that is entirely inconceivable by human minds. So many people, you say religion, or you say church, or you say something else, and they have this image of drudgery or or rigorous religious actions. Let me tell you, 
Salvation comes through the work of one man, and his name is Jesus Christ. He came and he became a man, and he looked just like us, but he was not like us. He was perfect. He was completely pure all the way within, all the way out. He never did anything wrong, not in his thoughts or his actions. He never, as a matter of fact, he, he did he, he went by the spirit of the law, not just the letter of the law like the Pharisees did. And all these things all point to the fact that he was a spotless lamb. And that spotless lamb laid down his life. The Lord Jesus said, I have power to lay my life down. I have power to take it up again. Again, it's beyond human comprehension. And not only was he a spotless lamb, but he was also the holy God in the same person. And that God and man laid down his life to make an offering for sin. And now it's a truly wonderful thing that all peoples on planet earth today, it's an, it's an incredible truth that all peoples on planet earth today, every one of them could be saved. Without exception. The entirety of the human race right now could be saved through the blood of Jesus Christ. It's the, the problem, or the, 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 the hitch, is us. Because man is free to put his faith in whatever he wants to. You could say, I'm going to put my faith in that tree. <laughs> you are at liberty to put your faith in that tree. You could put your faith in the pew. You could put your faith in the clock. You could put your faith in a political party. You could put your faith in anything. But only Jesus Christ can save. He died on the cross, and He rose again. Bodily, he came up out of the grave. He conquered death. He conquered hell. And his life was made an offering. His blood was shed for the cleansing of man's sins. Again, it's not humanly possible to figure all that out. But it's true. See, God doesn't tell us to figure it out. <laughs> he just tells us to trust in it. So man's incurable sins are impossible for man to overcome and be clean. So Matthew 19, this is the Lord Jesus speaking. He says, and again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Now rich men back then weren't just rich men. They were often seen as the pinnacle of society. You know, they gave more than anybody else did. Remember the, uh, the, the woman who, the, the, widows, the widow who gave two mites. And every, you kind of got the discernment from that that everybody else probably looked down on her offering. Well, the rich man gave so much that it was a, it was a massive show. And so if a rich man couldn't get to heaven, that was a problem. <laughs> Again, I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, who then can be saved? But Jesus held them, beheld them and said unto them, with men this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And so there the Lord Jesus was, both man and God, speaking to His disciples. And they're His disciples. They're already following the Lord. And yet they can't understand. How can God do this? It's impossible. Or how, how can men be saved? It's impossible. And, and Jesus says, with men it is impossible. But not with God. With God, all things are possible. So our place is to immediately forget your own understanding and instead transfer your faith to God. Not my ability to figure it out, not my own religious works, but only in God. The, one, the very one that He designated. God the Father designated His Son to be the one that we put our faith in. 
So our place is to simply stop trying to figure it out <laughs> and put our trust in Christ. There is one source of healing and eternal freedom from the consequences of sin, that is Jesus Christ. In Luke chapter 17, verse 11, And it came to pass, as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he, stood in, uh, as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which, were, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go, show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his, on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, were, not, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that returned to give glory to God, save this stranger. And, sa and he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. Our place is to simply believe. <laughs> Our place is to simply hear his voice and respond. And the Lord is speaking to everybody in this room. Every single soul, our place is to hear and respond. Respond by faith. You don't respond by doing some impressive religious action. You don't respond by putting money in the plate. You don't respond by dressing a certain way. <laughs> you respond by putting your faith in Jesus, the one that God said, this is the one that you need to put your faith in. And that's the way in which people get to go from Earthbound sinners bound for hell to heaven-born saints on their way to heaven. I, I, I have to tell you, today I am saved by the grace of God. I am saved right now. I'm born again. That is a gift that's offered to all of mankind. You can't earn this. It can only be given, and God is offering it. He is offering right now the forgiveness of sins. He is offering the cleansing of the soul all the way down to your very core of who you are, to be clean completely. And then no longer seen as a sinner, but as a son or a daughter of God. That's what God offers through Jesus Christ. You can't figure this out. It's not possible to figure it out. It can only be received as a gift. So our place is simply to believe. <laughs> John 5, verses 6-9. through 9, When Jesus saw him lie, this was a man who had been a crippled all of his life, and there was a pool of Bethesda. And when the, there was at a certain time, an angel stirred the waters, and the first one who makes it into the water was healed. It was a miraculous thing. And so there was people camped all around the pool waiting for the water to be stirred. And there was, a, there was an old man, I think it was 38 years, he was bound in affliction. And so the Lord Jesus come to him, comes to him and says, when Jesus saw him lie, and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? Can you imagine that man? Can you imagine hearing those words? Do you want to be made whole? And he's camped out at this well, all the, all, I assume all day and all night, waiting for the stirring of the waters, hoping he'll be the one to make it to the waters first, and yet he's been here a while already, you know he's already failed many times. And here Jesus comes and says, do you want to be made whole? <laughs> Wilt thou me be made whole? The impotent man answered, sir, answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled. Can you imagine his case? His despair that he feels his only hope is that water being stirred and getting there first. And so he goes, I don't have anybody to help me. 
the impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed and walk. Isn't it pretty special that the Lord Jesus, the very Son of God, walking of planet earth, can speak? And a man who's been bound 38 years in affliction now has the strength to walk? He's been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for his opportunity to get to a pool of water. <laughs> and he can't make it in time every time. And I'm sure despair has come in immediately on him. Verse 9, And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. The Lord Jesus did this many times. He spoke or He touched. Or even someone could come through a crowd and say, if I but touch the hem of His robe, I will be made whole. That was a woman who had been 12 years in this, in this uh, unclean state of having a, an issue of blood. And she said, if I just touch the hem of His robes, I'll be made clean. And she reached through the crowd and she touched Him. And there was a crowd thronging Him on all sides. And He's being pushed and shoved. And there was a woman and she just, just barely reaches through and touches the hem of His robe. And she's clean. All the way through. And then Jesus stops and says, Who touched Me? <laughs> and His disciples said, Lord, the, the, the crowd is thronging You. How could You say who could? He said, I perceive that virtue has gone from Me. Who touched Me? And the woman, when she saw that she was caught, <laughs> she came through and confessed it all. And he said, woman, thy faith has made thee whole. That's the power that Jesus has. And he showed it while he walked on planet earth. He healed people. He raised the dead. He rose Lazarus from the dead by saying, Lazarus, come forth! And Lazarus came forth bound in grave clothes. Listen, there is no limit to God's power. This message here today, it's, it's for the lost and it's for the saved. There is no limit to God's power. There's only limit in our faith. And God says, open the door. <laughs> Let me in. Whatever your problem is, bring it before the Lord and set it at His feet. He has the answer. And it doesn't mean the solution's going to come right that second, but God will give the answer. It'll either be grace for the moment, or it might be the answer to our prayers that we are looking for. Listen, it doesn't matter who you are here today. Our place is to put our faith in Jesus Christ and walk with Him every day. Lay our whole lives at His feet. There is nothing that is too hard for Him. Many times in the Scriptures, God says, I am the Lord. Is anything too hard for Me? But how often do God's people labor under a burden underneath them that is too hard for them? And sometimes I, I, I think it's true that God puts us in those situations so that in a situation that's too hard for you, you're forced to run to God. I think that's His plan sometimes is to show us that He can carry our burdens. In Christ, God has provided a never-failing source of forgiveness and cleansing by the blood of His Son. Revelation 1, verses 5-6. through And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Some of the opening verses in Revelation defining who Jesus Christ is. And it's such an incredible thought, and this is really the premise of where this whole, 
whole passage came from, that you could look at your hands. Don't look at your hands the way they look. I imagine we all cleaned up before we came to church today. (laughs) But imagine your hands on your worst day. Imagine your hands grimy and nasty and dirty and wounded. There's, There's a passage in the Bible about a man who fell among thieves. He was wounded and, and they, they left him for dead in a ditch. And there was a, a, a priest who came by. He saw him and he went to the other side of the road, passed on. There was a Levite who saw him. <laughs> Listen, the Old Testament law says you're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to help people. Even the Old, Old Testament law commanded them to do that. But they didn't do it. They went to the other side. Then there was a Samaritan. And the Samaritans and Jews were enemies. There was, there was disdain from, from, uh, from between them. But the Samaritan saw him, the Bible says he had compassion on him. And he got down and he brought him up out of the ditch and he bound up his wounds and poured oil in. And then he put him on his own animal, his own beast. And he carried him to the inn. And in the end, he paid for him to stay there. And he said, if you need more time or he needs more healing or anything else, you put that on my tab. <laughs> Listen, folks, every sinner is in that place of being in the ditch, wounded, and dying. And we need someone who can pull us about out of that ditch. Jesus has already done the work. And now it's a gift that He wants to give. He is seeking. The Bible says He came to seek and to save that which was lost. The Bible says in Peter that He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That place of understanding, I need Him to save me. And the Bible talks about how God can reach out all day long and reach out and seek to save us. But man being man can push his hand away and say, I don't want it. I don't know what the percentage is of people who are alive, uh, uh, saved on planet earth today, but I don't think it's many. Many people have turned away from God. But it's not because God will not save them, it's because they have turned away. So all of this is beyond the understanding of man who will approach unto God like Cain with self-righteousness and be rejected. Or the Pharisees, the religious men that, uh, that were scribes and Pharisees, but they were hypocrites. Or like fools who will simply believe that there is no God and someday will soon face Him as their judge. This is the nightmare scenario for humankind. And yet it's the state of mankind today. Many people will approach unto God by every way but the way of grace. And so the way for man to be saved is as simple and available as believing in Jesus Christ and being saved. Acts 16, verse 29-31, through 31, Then he called for a light. This is the Philippian jailer. And, uh, and, he came, and he came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. This is the way of forgiveness and mercy that God has said he will accept, but no other way. John 14, 6 says, the Lord Jesus, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but my, by me. You know, there's two messages in the Bible. I am the way, Jesus says. I am the way. The other message is, is there is no other way. Every single person can be saved, and they can be saved through the blood of Jesus Christ, but they can't be saved any other way. The Lord Jesus described it as there is a wide, broad path that leads to destruction, and many there be that go in thereat. There is one single narrow way in which every man can be saved. 
by putting his trust in Christ. So man is to, is to leave his own understanding behind and be cleansed by Christ. Pastor and I both, both refer to this verse a lot. It says a lot about, about the human race. Proverbs 3, 5-8. through 8, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and morrow to thy bones. Fear the Lord. <laughs> The, the entirety of the human race's condition can be broken down to this solvent, fear the Lord. Jesus is the way. Leave your own understanding behind. Fall upon the Lord. And the Lord Jesus also said, He said, whosoever shall fall upon this rock, referring to Himself, whosoever shall fall upon this rock shall be broken. But upon whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. So humanity is left to choose. You are able to choose. Will you put your trust in Christ? Will you fall upon Him broken? Or will you take your chances? Many people on planet Earth are doing that. They're just, they're winging it. <laughs> There's one narrow way. And God wants people to put their trust in Him and be saved and born again today. So we're going to take a moment of invitation. And no matter who you are here today, you can find refuge in Christ. And you can carry your burdens to Him. But if you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, today He is reaching out for you. By name. He's calling you and saying, I want to be your Savior. So we're just going to have a song of invitation. I'm not very good at this, so I guess we'll... Uh, <laughs> Everybody could stand. Whatever the need is here today, Cast it upon the Lord.